and it's from the NLT. So it sounds slightly different, but obviously it's the same. All right then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Hallelujah. And again from Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heaven's armies will make this happen. Matthew chapter 1 and reading from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray together as we come to open God's word. Father God, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you that in your word and through your word we discover the truths about you and your son Jesus Christ. And we pray this morning as we open your word that you will speak to us. That you will reveal yourself to us and that we might all experience that miracle of Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During uh, this Advent uh, season, we've been uh, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 1. And uh, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we started with the genealogy of Jesus. We were looking at that long list of names at the beginning of uh, Matthew's Gospel. And we were talking about Jesus' family tree. And we said, Jesus' family tree, it's about history. It's about where Jesus came from. It's a record of his uh, ancestors. We said Jesus' family tree was also about honesty. Uh, There were some rather dubious characters in Jesus' family tree. 
and some of Jesus' family were rather dysfunctional. And then we said, uh, Jesus' family tree is about you and me because you and me are part of the family of God. And then last week we were looking at the uh, nativity of Jesus and we were looking at that first part of the passage that I just read to you, uh, Matthew 18 to 21. And uh, we said it started with a scandal uh, which Joseph found hard to handle and God spoke to Joseph, the dreamer, bringing news of Jesus, the redeemer. And uh, this week... We are continuing in Matthew chapter 1, concluding the, the uh, chapter, looking at those uh, last uh, couple of verses, and we're thinking about the divinity of Jesus Christ, the divinity of Jesus Christ. And looking at those last few verses in Matthew chapter 1. So, uh, what was that phrase in, in your verse? That you uh, that you used. Let's get on with it, or let's get on with it. Oh, okay, don't worry, don't worry, Gary. He's going to find it. He'll come back to us. All right then. Sorry. All right then. Let's get on with it. Which Gary tells me is we should listen. So uh, you can please yourselves. The prophets foretell the coming Emmanuel. You'll notice that we're sticking with the rhymes. Uh, all the way through Advent. I don't know if you watch the Christmas adverts on television. Uh, some of the people that have been attending the uh, the Thursday night Bible study, which we're concluding this Thursday, by the way, the final one, uh, obviously don't watch the Christmas adverts because I've been showing you some. Uh, but there's one advert that I think is is on the radio um, advertising. Uh, I won't tell you what they're advertising, but, uh, but they talk about somebody who's decided during the season of Christmas just to speak in Christmas carols and Christmas rhymes. And uh, I identify with that. <laughs> so, uh, the prophets foretell the coming of Emmanuel. You'll stick with me just for the rhymes. I know that. But isn't it interesting, as, as Gary has already read to us in those passages, um, that the birth of Jesus was foretold that one of the things that we see, and Matthew desperately wants his readers to know, is that this wasn't some plan B, because things were going wrong. That this was planned from the beginning of time, that Jesus would come. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And of course, Matthew, Matthew, out of all the gospel writers, uh, is the one that quotes the Old Testament the most. He's forever telling us throughout Jesus' life that this is what was told. He uses that phrase again and again. This was foretold. And then he quotes some Old Testament and, and Gary's already, already read to us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So, the prophets foretell the coming of Emmanuel. And of course, um, one of the things that we see in, in the opening chapter of Matthew is the way in which God speaks to his people. In the genealogy, we saw that, that God speaks to people through history. That God speaks to people through history. Last week we were thinking we were thinking about the fact that God speaks to people through dreams and visions. 
Joseph had a dream in which God spoke to him. We're also reminded that the Christmas story is very much about God speaking to people through angels. Angels play a big part in the, uh, in the Christmas story and angels appear and speak to us and tell us uh, the good news about Jesus Christ. So God speaks to us through history, he speaks to us through dreams and speaks to us through visions, he speaks to us through angels, very rarely, I guess. Um, but Matthew also wants to remind us that God speaks to us through scripture. What was foretold by the prophet Isaiah comes to pass in the birth of Jesus. And it reminds us that God speaks to us in all sorts of different ways. Uh, the way that God speaks to me might not be quite the same way that God speaks to you. You might be the sort of person that, that has visions and dreams. Uh, you might even be the sort of person that, that has, has had the experience of an angel appearing to them. But I guess most of us will be able to um, recognize, most of all, that God speaks to us through Scripture. That God speaks to us through Scripture. Through reading Scripture, through listening to Scripture, through having Scripture explained to us. This is the main way in which God speaks to us. That's not to say God doesn't speak to us in different ways, but I think the main way God speaks to us is through his word and through the proclamation of his word. And we see that in the story of Jesus, that what came to pass has been foretold. And it is amazing, Gary's right. It's absolutely amazing that, that this was spoken of hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus was even born. That we can read it in scripture. And there is lots of references in the Old Testament to Jesus. Somebody counted up, there's at least a hundred references in the Old Testament to Jesus. You can check it out if you've got some spare time between now and Christmas. But reading Matthew's Gospel, you'll find Matthew, most of all, uh, appeals to the Old Testament and says, this is what the Old Testament said, this is what Scripture said about Jesus. So the first thing is that the prophets foretell the coming of Emmanuel. Secondly, Jesus did not give up his deity. Jesus did not give up his deity... Wait for it. Here it comes. He took on humanity. Hmm. It's close, isn't it? It's close. It's close enough for me. It's close enough for me. If you can find something that rhymes better with deity, I'm sure you'll tell me afterwards. But Jesus did not give up his deity. He took on his, our humanity. The eternal son of God becomes man, but he doesn't give up his deity. The life of Jesus did not begin with his conception and his birth. Unlike every other human being that has ever lived, we want to say that Jesus Christ had no beginning. He is the eternal Son of God. He always existed. And he always will exist. And so... When we think about Emmanuel, God with us, we shouldn't think that Jesus gave up his deity. But he did take on um, humanity. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus doesn't give up his deity, but he takes on humanity. 
Max Lucado, God Came Near, talks about it like this. He says, majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep, manure, and sweat, divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable. This baby had overlooked the universe. These rags keeping him warm were the robes of eternity. Now, if we had a problem or if we struggled to understand um, the virgin birth last week, and we were saying, you know, how does that happen? Um, we're probably going to struggle even more thinking about how can God possibly become a man? It is almost impossible to explain, but that's not going to stop us trying to explain what is going on. It is beyond us to understand, isn't it, how God can become a man. And there's all sorts of questions that it, that it raises. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, it question whether Jesus was aware. Was Jesus, people sometimes, people say, was Jesus aware uh, that he was God? Well, if we look at scripture, I think we can see that. Uh, we can see it in all sorts of ways that, uh, that Jesus was God. The word, this is how John puts it, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or the, uh, the message of the ver version puts it like this. Uh, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Well, I found a little illustration because it is hard to explain what was going on. God became man. But I found a little illustration uh, that I thought I would give you. And, uh, and bear with me with this or go with it. It's not a perfect illustration, but here it is. Okay, I want you to imagine that this lovely shirt that I'm wearing this morning uh, is the deity of Jesus, okay? This is the God part of Jesus, okay? Okay with that? Okay. Now, I've got my coat here because I received an email saying it could be a little bit cold in church this morning. So, uh, now, if I, put, if I put my coat on, okay, I want you to think about this as the humanity of Jesus, okay? This is the humanity of Jesus, Now, have I still got my shirt on? Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing a David Copperfield. This isn't, this isn't a trick. I'm not going to suddenly remove, just in case you're worried at this point, I'm not going to suddenly remove my, my coat and my shirt's not going to be there and you're not going to be shocked. Uh, there's enough shocking thing in the, in Matthew chapter one without that. But you see, um, what happens when I put my coat on, which is representing the humanity of Jesus, the, my shirt is still there, the divinity of Jesus, uh, but you can't see it as clearly now, can you? Uh, you, you? You can still see bits of it. There's bits of it coming out. And there's a sense in which when Jesus, as God, came to the earth, he takes on our humanity. And so he looked like an ordinary human being. He, he cried like, a, like, like an ordinary baby, despite what one of the carols says. Um, you know, he, he, he was fully and completely human. At the same time, he was fully and completely divine. He takes on, if you like, the coat of our humanity. But he remains divine. And just to show you that his shirt's still there. So I hope that, I hope that helps you. It's not, a perfect, it's not a perfect illustration, but I dare say it will stay with you. And if you don't remember anything else, you will remember the fact that, that Richard did this strange thing with his coat and uh, very nearly shocked us. But that's it. John talks about the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. 
Jesus didn't give up his deity. He takes on our humanity. And of course, this is the miracle of Christmas. This is the miracle of Christmas. It's not only the virgin birth. It's the fact that God is born amongst us in Jesus Christ. And it is awe. We we can, in a sense, we can only stand in awe and wonder. And of course, we do wonder not just in awe, but wonder how that can be. And it's good to kind of think about these things as we approach Christmas. Jesus himself said, anyone who has seen uh, me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If we think Jesus didn't know who he was, Jesus himself talks about the fact that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he talks about me, I and the Father are one. And of course this is completely mind-blowing. This got Jesus into an awful lot of trouble. This is why... Jesus was crucified on the cross because of the blasphemy, as the Jewish people saw it, when he claimed to be God, he was claiming that something that they thought was blasphemous. Jesus did not give up his deity. He takes on humanity. And then finally, of course, his name is Jesus and he is God with us. His name is Jesus, and he is God with us. When Joseph woke up, let's remember we're still in, remember we're still in Joseph's dream. Uh, you know, that's why I read the whole of the passage, the bit we did last week and, and, and this week's because we're still in that dream that Joseph is having, and this is the angel speaking to him. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, And he gave him the name Jesus. His name is Jesus and he is God with us. Emmanuel, which means God with us. In an excellent little book, Five Impossible Things to Believe Before Christmas, uh, by Kevin Scully, he says this, It is though the birth of Jesus constitutes a crack in the universe. The separation of God and humanity is ended. God is no longer distant. He is tangible. God is not invisible. People can see him. God is not beyond humankind. He is one of us. At this point in the sermon, uh, I was tempted to break into song. But you'll be pleased to know I'm, I'm not going to. If I'd have been more organised like Gary, I'd have sent a, a thing in the cloud to, uh, to Marilyn and we could have had somebody else singing the song. What if God was one of us? Have you heard that song? Uh, Martin Joseph did a copy, but I think the uh, original was by... Um, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Joan... Yeah. Joan, Joan somebody, yeah. What if God was one of us? He goes on to say, just a slob like one of us. Um, secular song, but asking that same question. You know, what if God was one of us? Well, actually, God did become one of us. We can answer the questions in that song. God became one of us. Now, some of you are... Um, 
the huggy types, aren't you? There's some of you, you know who you are, you know who you are. You know, you walk into the room and everybody's going to get a hug, whether they like it or not. Uh, hands up if you're a huggy type, just so you know to keep away from them. If, you, if you're not a, a huggy type, just keep your hands up so they can see. Yeah, Hands up if, hands up if, you, if, if you're not a huggy type. Yeah, just, just, just huggy, huggy people, notice the non-huggy people and, uh, you know, don't force those hugs upon them. Uh, but I say that because, you know, some of us, some of us, we're looking for an experience, aren't we, of God? Some of us are actually looking for an experience of God. Uh, you know, we, we want a God that we can touch and we can feel. Uh, we want a God that we can experience. Uh, when you hear preachers like myself saying, you know, God speaks mostly through the word, you want to jump up and say, well, no, because I've had this experience of God and that experience of God. And uh, we want a God that we can, you know, we, we can physically encounter. And so if we go to a meeting and, and something, you know, somebody's healed or somebody brings a prophetic word, it's more real because we feel that God is with us in the room, if you're that type of person. Others of us are, are less kind of huggy, uh, feely. And, uh, you know, like Gary said, he enjoys grappling with the word and, and, and finding out what the word, word means because that's how people who are, are like that experience God in the, in the word. And we're all different. And as we said at the beginning, God speaks to us in different sorts of ways. But the good news about Emmanuel is the fact that God is actually with us in Jesus Christ. He comes to us in Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. He is God with us. Do we know that God is with us? Do we know that God is with us? Is that our experience? For some people, they'll jump up and down and say, yes, that's my experience. I experience God with me every day. I jump up in the morning, I I open my Bible, I say my prayers, and I know that God is with me. I dare say there'll be other people... um, who will question, well, I'm, I'm not sure sometimes whether God is with me or not. Because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, when I experience those difficult days, when things go wrong, when people get poorly, when people die, the experience of God with us might not be quite so tangible, might not be so real. Do we know that God is with us? Do we know that God is with us? What does it mean... Emmanuel, God with us, that God is with us. What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, it can mean the difference between surviving those difficult experiences or not. Because, strangely enough, very often we do find God with us in the midst of suffering, in the midst of despair. Some people find that God is more with them in those situations because in those situations we have to rely more on God. We might not feel his presence as much, but we seek it more because we've nothing else. What does it mean? Well, it can mean the difference between surviving or not surviving. God is no longer far away. He is with us every day. God is no longer far away. You see, in days gone by, um, when people approached God, they, they approached God through a priest. Uh, even today, you know, there's a sense that some people have 
And some, some people, even a Baptist church, treat the minister a bit like a priest, thinking that they've got to go through, through, through him or her, that somehow they have a more direct line to God. Which, of course, isn't true. Because Jesus has come down from heaven to earth. And he is with us. And the promise that Jesus uh, leaves us with is that I am with you always. The passage in the end of Matthew's gospel goes on to say, to the very end of the age, in other words, um, to the end of time, that Jesus is with us. And if you hear nothing else this morning, forget the little trick with the coat. Uh, Remember this, that God is with you. How do we know? Well, we know it because the Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, God is with us in those difficult days. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us when those relationships break down. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us when we get rejected for that job or that promotion that we so wanted. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us when sickness strikes our family and friends. God is with us. And God is with us when our family and friends pass away. Emmanuel, God is with us. His name is Jesus, and he is God with us. Let's just spend a few moments recognizing that God is with us, but remembering those who perhaps aren't so sure. And in our time of prayer together, let's spend a few moments remembering people who desperately need God to be with them. And it may be that you want to name some people or some situations that you have on your heart this morning. And if you want to do that, then please use this time. If you'd rather just use a silence to remember people, that's okay as well. But if you want to name people or situations, please do. As we remember that God is with us. Let's pray together.